I think in gastronomy often or in, in the kitchen or in service, people expect you to do it out of passion. And you give a lot of your time, like you work all evenings, you work weekends, you work um, split shifts. Um, and I think this is, this is just a lot of people don't see. But of course, I do it out of passion. But if you ask somebody... That was the voice of Michaela Frank, head chef of Zurich-based jazz restaurant Rank. So grab yourself a drink, alcoholic or non-alcoholic, depending on your preference, and come join us as we talk all things chefy on Grab a Drink with a Swiss Chef. Hey everybody, and welcome to the show. I'm your host, Daniel, and I'm back from vacation. Um, and I still have a ton of interviews to upload. Um, and I apologize for not putting out more content sooner. I am trying. So our featured guest today is Michaela Frank. Um, she is the head chef of Rank Restaurant in Zurich. And she puts her take on a modern feel-good cuisine uh, set alongside live international jazz musicians. Now, I've actually been to this restaurant, um, and I have to say, it's a really cool concept. So you have to go check it out. Michaela, although quite young, uh, she's worked in some really great kitchens under some truly amazing chefs. And for those of you that who haven't heard of Rank, uh, the address is Niederdorfenstrasse 60 uh, in Zurich, uh, in the old town. And the website address is amrank.ch. And as always, if you wish to contact me with feedback or questions, or you even want to be on the, the podcast, feel free to email me on theswisschef101 at gmail.com. And as always, we post uh, all the links uh, that we mentioned in the pod uh, under the comments on our social media sites. So let's jump into it. I enjoyed this one. Hey, Michaela, and uh, welcome to the podcast. Hi, Daniel. Nice, nice to be here. Thank you. Great. Um, yes, it's uh, it's an early Saturday morning, um, so you know one of the first questions I always ask guests on the, on the pod is uh, is what are you drinking? Well, I it's Saturday morning. <laughs> I have a uh, one more. Um, evening service to come so I'm drinking green tea to prepare myself for the day very good very good um okay so before you know we get into you know detail about your story your background um can you just give me a brief a very brief overview of uh, of yourself and, and and the restaurant um you know what is it uh, for people that don't know about it what's the concept how did it come about and basically what are you doing there so i'm i'm michaela i'm the head chef of culture local rank which means we are a restaurant with um it, but it's also a jazz club and we have a bar um we do concerts every week um from september till may and always thursday friday saturday it's jazz experimental jazz mostly from swiss artists um because we want to support the swiss um the swiss community and we have a restaurant for five days a week um we cook food 
from very good producers and trying to make out the best of it. Yeah, that's it. Mm -hmm. And uh, we, we actually met, right? So, um, I mean, all this came about, um, we, well, I interviewed uh, Carlos, uh, um, a few, I think a month back, um, mm -hmm. who's the owner of, uh, of Amrank and, uh, the other restaurant, uh, Reichberg. Yes. Yeah, exactly. Um, and he mentioned that we should get into chat. So then I came to have a, a drink, um, and then we met and then we, we arranged this. So it's finally good that we can, uh, we can do it. Absolutely. Cool. Okay. So how long have you been at, uh, at rank? So, um, rank exists since like one and a half years, uh, more or less. And I'm there since the beginning. Like I got into the project like six months before we opened to start to write the concept, but, um, yeah, we're open since, since we're open, I'm there. Yeah. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah, it's it's an extremely cool place. I have to say, very much uh, liked it. Um, so, wh wh where are you from? Are you, are you Swiss or? I grew up in Orgau. Um, okay. That's uh, that's it. Yeah, in Nussbaumen, and uh, my mom is from China, and my dad is from Germany, um, okay. but I I'm Swiss since. Okay forever and yeah i for some reason i thought you were american oh yeah that's maybe because of my slightly american accent in my english yeah right because my where does my that aunt, come from yeah my aunt is from like my the sister of my mother she lives in the u.s and when we were young we were um a few weeks in in the u.s with my aunt and then I, when when i learned english i i learned it a lot with her because when you're young you you pick you pick up so much of mm -hmm. of that mm -hmm. of the accent i guess yeah okay so so okay so you grew up in um argyle right yes um and what what was that like you know what was the uh we, we were uh, did you have lots of brothers and sisters uh was food uh, a big part of uh, of your upbringing um yes well, I have a, a sister, an older one. Um, she's three years older than me. And um, food was always a very central thing in our family, of course, because Chinese culture. Um, ask any Chinese person and probably they will love food. And this is the same with my family. And it was always very central in our upbringing. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And what about the, uh, the, the, from your dad's side, um, a lot of influence on the food there? Well, my dad always loved to cook and bake as well, but um, it was more my mother, which uh, integrated that into our lives and stuff like that. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And what was the, the favorite dish you, you uh, enjoyed most growing up? Oh, maybe um, crepe. Because on Sunday morning, my my dad or me, we sometimes got up early and then we made crepe with a mushroom sauce. And that was one of my favorite dishes. <laughs> and it still is. Oh, very nice. And is your is your family still living out there? Um, do In you go time? home a lot? Yeah. Uh, yeah. My, my dad and my mom still live there. So I visit them. I try to visit them once a week, but when my schedule is very busy it's maybe once a month but uh mm. i try to make it regularly on sunday so we mm -hmm. have like family gatherings with my sister okay nice and, um, and are you expected to do all the cooking or is it your time off um both like okay. i'm i i can cook if i want and sometimes it's expected but i don't have to it's it's fine if i'm if i'm just chilling and that's yeah, mostly what I'm doing. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Okay. And was it um, in your childhood um, that you knew that food was going to play a role um, in the future or did that come later? Uh, well, um, I was always into doing stuff 
um like i'm i i love to do things with my hands um even if it's i don't know cooking baking crocheting um or doing creative stuff i always love that so i always knew it would be something um physical in in that sense that i would want to create stuff and um to go into cooking was more like oh well what shall i do and i i always loved cooking and baking so my dad thought maybe we should just put her into this apprentice or like mm-hmm. you can when when you're like 14 or 15 or something you go um into different restaurants and try out for like three days to see if the job works for you and then you start your apprenticeship there if they give you one and mm-hmm. my dad i think put me into his um the restaurant of his firm uh like where he works there is this uh canteen i would yeah, say cafeteria and a cafeteria and he just he he knew the guy who was leading it and then he was just asking can i bring my daughter for like two mm-hmm. or three days and then he brought me there and i was like 13 and i really felt um i really liked it in the kitchen so mm-hmm. i kind of i think it was like my dad's sixth sense that he would say oh let's just drop her in there and see what happens and all right yeah i i love it yeah and then and then you went um what around 16 into a full-time apprenticeship yes exactly not not where my dad worked but i um got one in um i don't even know what it says it's it's called uh, Palcher Institute and they do um physic uh physics okay yeah and it's a very big institute for physics and they have this cafeteria which is very famous for their um cooking because it's very they do all fresh from scratch even though it's yeah. a cafeteria and um they we did like 1200 uh, meals per day and it was Whoa. like big yeah but it was a big kitchen and they really supported me in everything I wanted to do. And when I was in my apprentice, I started very early with um, competitions um, with like competing with uh, other um, apprentices. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah. And how long were you there doing your apprenticeship for? Uh, it's always three years. Mm-hmm. Uh, like an apprenticeship always is uh, lasts for three years and um yeah was it was it paid um yeah well when you when you start an apprentice as a chef you earn like a, a small salary from like i don't know a thousand and then every year it, you get a raise a small one mm-hmm. and when mm-hmm. you come from school it's like always huge amount of money <laughs> mm-hmm. and then uh, you enter the real world and then <laughs> you know what you got to pay for your living okay right 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 <laughs> yeah um and that, so so then i guess you know you're you're 19 years old when you finish um mm-hmm. what what's what do you do then do you go do you continue um work, working in the kitchen or do you take a break where were you at that point so I think that's the point where where most of the the chefs which finish their apprentice they they stop most of them stop immediately but for yeah. me I just jumped right into it and I went to Flims in Grison and did a did a season a winter season like I I started in summer and then I did one winter season and left the other summer it was um a five star hotel called mm-hmm. Flims Vault House and it was a good experience to start um, the real like um, it was um, split shifts and all that mm-hmm. stuff so it was a real um, waking like I woke up in the real world let's say like okay. that because it, right. it gets much tougher when you work it all evenings and you don't have weekends off it's seven days open and it's mm-hmm. just a whole nother experience and yeah. yeah was it was it tough uh in that role uh where where, where did you start out as what what um what role did you take on i started at garde manger and i had a really cool chef de party 
um he he was um very supportive so when, when i wanted to do something creative he was just like yeah you do this i just organized mm -hmm. and but also we were a very cool team and in the beginning we were like three on the garmanger and at the end uh, like in winter season we were like five people on, on one section so it was a huge kitchen and um it was it was cool like it was mm -hmm. a good experience but um, okay yeah so it wasn't so tough i mean i talked to others that they go through in the early part of the career and they're just so burnt out from from these early days of these early jobs in the career that they end up yeah just taking a break and thinking have i chosen the right path but that it doesn't seem that that was the case no i think it was because i also started um in the junior national team um, for the Olympics by then for cooking wow. um, in that early stage. So I was like very, I was burning for, I'm still burning, but like then I had so much energy. I don't even know how I did this, but I was like 19 and then you get into this world and you start to cook in this national team and you cook in this five-star hotel and it was just, um, Everything felt like, oh, I, I want to do this now and I want to do mm -hmm. everything at once. So it was, mm -hmm. it was probably quite overwhelming. And if I, if I would do it now, I probably would burn out in, in no time. But when you're, when you're so young, you probably do things and you don't even think about it because right. you, you manage your energy differently, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And so, so you finished at the, this uh, Waldhaus, Flint Waldhaus. Um, what, what was the next move? Um, then I went to Focus Fitz now. Um, by the time then, it was um, um, 18, it had 18 Gomio points and two Michelin stars, and it was uh, the head chef was Nenot Linorovic. Okay. Um, he is now the owner of. Uh, three restaurants soon to be four like Bauernschenke, Neutaverne and uh, Neumarkt in Niederdorf as well and he was chef of the year when I like 2016 I think it was um, so I changed to to this venue and it was a big castle so it was it was even more exclusive this this hotel is probably one of the most exclusive hotels in the whole world and um, and it what's was, it called again? Um, Park Hotel Fitz now. It's like this white castle, which they um, they actually couldn't they they um, when they renovated it, they actually put the whole castle on uh, on Stütze, like they, they oh really on stilts, right? On stilts, and then they they took everything from the inside out and. Um, rebuilt the inside and the outside was remaining so um, that was it's a huge project and, and I mean you you can google it it's like a white castle at the lake and it's the it's like a you know it's so white you almost get blind because it's it's like it's so white wow. um the, the castle <laughs> but it was it was a very nice uh, and funny experience because all the guests were were so different from I from us yeah but it was a cool okay. experience like working in a two mission star restaurant for the first what was time. the um what was the uh cuisine type there mm, well nenat's kitchen was um he was he started or why he got chef of the year also was um because he only used swiss products and mm -hmm. it was, um, it was, well, I don't know. I can't, I can't even, I cannot even describe this kitchen. It was just his kitchen and we only okay. worked with Swiss products and it was all good sourced, um, products from local farmers as well. And yeah. Mm -hmm. so, would, would you say that it was at this point that it was a career defining moment for you? Did you learn the most in this, in this role or did that come later? I would say it was probably one of the most defining moments because I got into this team and um, the restaurant was called Focus. And as it 
says like everybody in this team was so fucking focused and mm-hmm. I, I they they took everything very serious but not not in like a, a too serious way that everything gets uh, like i don't know too clingy or something but everybody was like very um very strict and on time with their stuff and everything was very perfect so mm-hmm. um i learned a lot and i was the only woman in the team and i was like surrounded by by very <laughs> mature men which uh like showed me a lot of stuff like they they when they kind of got it that i want to learn they really got me into everything and okay yeah it was very very cool yeah wow and how long how long were you there for i was there for one and a half years and then we made as a whole team we made the transition to go to zurich Mm -hmm. it was like when when menot chose to go to zurich yeah and then i went with him to do a pop-up and then the whole another world opened like what, what was the pop-up like what the was that? pop-up was called die Stadthalle, um, okay. and it was a huge pop-up in a garage like a car garage and it was huge and um it just opened up new perspectives for me because i never knew i i never went to zurich before like of course mm-hmm. i have been to zurich but i i didn't really know the scene or stuff like that and then right. we just dropped right in the middle of the scene and um wow it was a a huge so going from like fine dining two star to a garage in zurich yeah and but with the same team that's crazy yeah not not the complete but quite a lot of us went there mm-hmm. And it was just, it was just crazy because, um, we cooked for 300 people per night, I think wow. on like, we, we were sponsored by Miele mm-hmm. and it was like a, a stove, what you have at home, just two of right. them. And then you cook for 300 people and we were just like, okay, whoa. And the kitchen was just fully open. It was fully open. Wow. Like, like it was in the middle of the whole thing. And what what was the uh, the cuisine type there? It was by then it was um, sharing kitchen, mm-hmm. and I think we still went full on. No, it was not Swiss kit. It's only Swiss products anymore. But um, it was like sharing. I, I don't even know how how you call it these days. Mm-hmm. But it was like a bistronomy food kind of style. Okay, yeah, I would say, okay. but still very high quality. Um, ingredients yeah mm-hmm. and then from after that um how long how long were you there for at this place the pop-up lasted for two months okay and then um yeah then with the team we all kind of did our own ways mm-hmm. and um i went into co- coffee actually i went to, to a coffee shop to be mm-hmm. a barista okay because by that time i found this super i don't know i was like i want to be i want to do the latte art stuff and all that and right, so right. <laughs> i went into that and um yeah it was a cool okay. experience you okay. see it from another side of course yeah but i um yeah i mean uh, then i went like after being a barista i went traveling um to asia and yeah well i just worked as a barista to kind of uh save up some more money and then i yeah. left to asia yeah and then when you came back uh from asia was uh, that when you found yourself at uh, rank or did you was there a few more things in between there were a few more things in between yeah well fast mm-hmm. forward i was um I went to Gül. I don't know mm-hmm. if you know yeah. Gül. Yeah, 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 yeah. And yeah. I actually wanted to see the service side then. So I mm-hmm. worked at Gül for like six months in service. And it was, mm-hmm. I had the time of my life. It was so fun because the restaurant was full every fucking day. And you were just running, running, running. And 
I had a lot of fun with the guests and also with the kitchen and all the team. Mm -hmm. The team was great. And then I did a few pop-ups. Um, for example, I did soy Thai, which is like a Thai pop-up. And I did um, some other pop-ups where I also worked in service. Sometimes I worked in kitchen, all that stuff. And yeah. then I I applied for Caminadas um, Fundación Uccellin. Mm -hmm. the, the the scholarship for doing a five month trip where you visit three different chefs in and outside of Switzerland and five producers and you also go to the Schloss Schaunstein and stuff like that. Yeah. Okay. And well, what's the name of that again? Fundación Uccellin. Also, it's, okay. it's um, it's um, romance for uh, like small bird or like, yeah. like baby bird. Okay. Uccelline, because um, they, they want to help them fly, yeah, get into yeah. the, get into the um, higher gastronomy even yeah. more. Uh, it sounds like a great, great program. Yeah, it's a great program. You should, you should look it up. It's um, insane. Like I got to go to Chile. I got to go to Istanbul. I was in Belgium. Mm -hmm. I was um, at a baker. I was, um, where else did I go? Yeah, to Tanya Grandits, to Basel. I was, I was all over wow. the place. Yeah. That yeah. sounds great. Yeah. And then the desire to start cooking again came back full force, I can imagine. The desire to cook? Again, yeah, to, to get yeah. back into to the kitchen, yeah. Well, that was that was pretty much it. Yeah, I after after being in service for like uh, half a year or something, I, I felt like, oh, well, but I don't have the contact with the products anymore. I do have the contact with the guests, which I love, but mm -hmm. you don't have the the products. You don't create that much anymore. You of course, you can do drinks and stuff, but you yeah. you you don't cook. And mm -hmm. that was yeah kind okay. of what i missed so i yeah. went back okay and then when you came back uh, what was the what was the next plan so when i came back corona hit yeah ah, when i came okay. back corona so then... hit straight it was like march and i did my final project and mm -hmm. while during that final project the the lockdown hit and i had to we i i went home and mm -hmm. it was the best time of my life like i i just chilled <laughs> i went for a walk three three hours per day and oh wow just uh chilled and it was it was so cool <laughs> i actually great. loved it and uh, yeah, then I, I decided, okay, Michaela, you have to do something with your life. And then I started the school for like, we call it chef Koch, and it's like mm -hmm. being a head chef, um, but still uh, practical. Like you, you have in the final exam, you still have to cook, but mm -hmm. after you, you finish that, there is nothing uh, more you can test on cooking actually. Then you just go deeper into being a kitchen director if okay. you do one more um school yeah okay um all right so so i i kind of get the the the, the path that um took you to um to where you are now um so to talk to me a bit about your your favorite um style of cooking right you know you personally what what's the food that the style that most interests you um, for me personally, I'm very spontaneous. I'm, of course, I, I plan the menu and stuff like that, but I would, I, I love it the most when I can go to the market or to a, a farmer and just get whatever they have right now and then cook the best out of it. That's for me, like the best food. Um, of course I love. I love um, haute cuisine and all that stuff. Mm. Um, and but for me personally, I love the simple but good 
straight from the market on the grill and mostly i'm i'm a very i i love um vegetarian cuisine like when i eat okay. meat i i really really look where it came from and in rong we also um we buy the whole animal from a from a Demeter farm, like a organic farm. We know mm -hmm. what the what the animal was called, and we take the meat from it, um, and then you know you honor it differently. Mm -hmm. But for me, eating meat is nothing regular. Like okay, it's something more for a special occasion when I do it privately. Okay. Yeah. And um, what would you say is your go-to meal at home? Like what's your signature dish that you cook for, I don't know, friends come over? Um, is there one dish that you have that's kind of your favorite? Probably Baudzebond. Like my okay. mom always used to do that for me. And it's also one of my favorite dishes for my mom is like the Baudzebond or like the, the Baudel, like the... Um, like a yeast dough and you fill mm -hmm. it with um you either take like ground meat or you do it vegetarian with like veg and tofu and different spices and um condiments and stuff like that and like soy sauce and then you have this special dipping sauce with uh black fermented rice vinegar okay. and that's like one of my favorite and when when i have friends over i often do that because i think it's like a people pleaser mm -hmm. yeah mm -hmm. okay and what about you personally your um do you have any culinary influences like some some chefs that you follow or is there i mean i i had a guy on um, a couple of days back uh, we, we got into a big discussion about anthony bourdain as a big <laughs> influence to him um do you have anything like that in your life Oh, hard to say. Well, I do have that. I, I think I when I was younger, I always binged watched Gordon Ramsay's videos mm -hmm. on YouTube. Like I loved me all too, the, me too. Like Hell's Kitchen or his his also his recipes. I think he's a very genius chef. It, also, he does stuff um, very on, in a simple way, but in a perfection. Mm -hmm. And I, I always loved that. So Gordon Ramsay is a is a tough guy, and right. But I think in in a chef's perspective, everybody knows what he feels sometimes, or <laughs> right. why he why he's getting loud, even though sometimes it's maybe a little unreasonable. Yeah. Um, yeah. Okay. And was there any chef? Um... Apart from, uh, I guess, uh, Nena, uh, this kitchen uh, had uh, quite an influence on you as well. But is there any other chef that you've worked with who's had a big influence? Hmm. Well, I I think Elif in Gül, she did. Um, even though I didn't work in the kitchen, I I was so inspired by this Turkish cuisine that I really wanted to go to Turkey when I did the scholarship. Mm-hmm. That's of course one of them, and I really, really loved um, my apprentice at, um, like my my stage at Tanya Grandit. I was like half in the kitchen and half in pastry, and I love, I love how she. You can feel that she's a very sensitive woman when when she cooks or when when mm -hmm. you taste her her dishes. And um, the pastry chef, the head pastry chef uh, Julien Duvernay he was he's such a genius what, what, what if you talk about desserts it's it's crazy how detailed and defined all the flavors are mm -hmm. and um, what his twists are for like when you get into the recipes you always see a kind of a pattern which he created for himself and that's what inspired me like he has his footprint of like this is how his his style works and it's everybody has to find his own style i couldn't copy his but his style is very um is very i i love it it's like the, mm -hmm. the taste of it it always blows my mind even it's always so round mm -hmm. 
Mm-hmm. Um, and this is something like you, you take a bite and you don't miss anything. Like it's just, it's acid, it's sweet, it's a little salt, it's a little spice. And mm-hmm. the, the game in, in the taste is very cool there. Yeah. Wow. Sounds amazing. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, so let's let's switch a little bit to um, to the restaurant. Um, mm-hmm. You talked briefly about the uh, you know when you came in at the very early stage and um, you were looking and designing the concept um, and also the menu. Can you talk talk to me a bit about how that process for designing the menu came about? Um, well, I always kind of knew how I would want to cook. Like, I, I always called it feel food when, when I did like a little catering during, um, or like a takeaway shop in, um, Corona times in my hometown where I delivered food to friends and other people who wanted it. And it was like a four course menu and I just cooked very easy, basic stuff which I bought at the farmer's market and I just turned it into a menu and it was uh, for everybody there, it was like mind blowing. And, you know, it was just a highlight during Corona because you couldn't go out and then you just get this delivered home and that's cool for everybody, uh, I guess. (laughs) And for me, it was cool because I I had to do, I could do stuff um, and cook and that's what I, what I really enjoyed. So when I wrote the menu for Rong, for me, it was clear it will be um, real simple, but good food made out of the best products and kind of comf- like more, more in the, in the direction of comfort food. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And we had like many different concepts in the beginning where I could create stuff and yeah we we did this kind of together like we did a workshop um all together with the team of Rechberg, like the owners of Rechberg and the core team of rank uh where we just um inspired the whole um like we we all got together and gathered and asked ourselves what will this space be like what do we want Mm -hmm. to fill it with um and then we kind of defined how, where we want to go. And then I wrote the food concept for it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. And, um, okay. So how long did that research and development period take? Well, it, it was not like, uh, like nonstop work, but it was maybe like one month where I just wrote the concept and, and the menu, like, just whenever I had an idea, I, I mm-hmm. put it together and started to write stuff. And then I put it together into a concept and then I presented it and it was, they took it from the beginning. They didn't have mm-hmm. anything to complain. I think they just let me do. And yeah. Did you have um, a soft opening then um, in the beginning where you could also test these out on, on friends and family or other colleagues and then retweak it slightly or? I mean, we did tastings in the beginning. Yeah. Um, we had like three soft opening events for like friends and family, then neighbors and I think journalists you do as well. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think the, yeah, the first few months or well, always intense mm-hmm. it doesn't matter if you do a soft opening or not right do, uh, do, do you guys ever hire a pr company um when you're opening or did you no just out of curiosity no okay we did I just have thought, a pr company you know yeah it's just i you know, i lived in in um, in new york for a number of years and i remember that all restaurants there they they can't survive without having a pr company i was always wondering if it's the same in the, really? the Zurich scene. In New York? Yeah, yeah. Why yeah, yeah. Just the way the, the, the system's set up, I guess. Um, yeah, yeah, you can um, you either sink or swim without these things. But anyway, that's just, just something that came into my mind. Um, uh, back to the menu. Is it is it a fixed menu? Does it change weekly or is, does it change on seasons? How, how does that play? Oh, well, we... 
we have a menu which we, we change like every three weeks but only like a few dishes it depends always on the product because we all only get it from get the vegetables from two farmers and if both of them sell out with for example celery then we change we have to change the menu quite quickly or if we mm -hmm. sell out um like I mean, of course, we have the cut of the day of the veal, but sometimes mm -hmm. we then run out of veal and then we we bought a new animal, then we have to change that as well, um, depending on, on what animal we change on or, uh, yeah. And we also have the chef choice option, which is probably one of the coolest options at our place because then we also show there our tryouts what we try out right now or new dishes which are coming so we always mm -hmm. put it first into the chef choice to test it if we can even send it if it's too complicated mm -hmm. to send during service or if we can do it stuff like that yeah okay and um is there one or two dishes um that really sum the concept uh, sums the concept up on a plate, so to say. Like if I if I come in again, I think I only mm -hmm. had a drink and some um, some, some olives. Uh, yeah, some snacks <laughs> when I yeah. came in. Um, but if you know, do do you have the that dish that really is like this is the concept of rank? Uh, yeah. Well, we we have the congee rice, which is um, a childhood memory of mine which is this uh, rice porridge and we use it as the canvas for everything our farmers have. Like we, we put all the vegetables which are in season right now and mostly like um, right now it's a mushroom ragu. Sometimes we have like um, braised meat on top or pork belly and stuff. And it's like Asian inspired because I'm half Asian, but mm -hmm. everything on top of it is kind of maybe also some, like we have some kimchi on top, but it's made out of, um, you you know the swiss ingredients like radish mm -hmm. of course you can get mm -hmm. that in asia but we get it from our farmer but right. um yeah that's the that's maybe our our canvas and it's also my signature but it's not everybody's cup of tea because it's this rice porridge and it kind of you have to get used to it sometimes and it mm -hmm. was very funny in the beginning i think nobody got it and i don't even know why i kept it but um, I think Carlos, the owner, he was like, no, that's your dish. You have to develop it. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. And a few guests or like a, a, a chef, Oli, Oli Boer. I don't know if you know him. He does some pop-ups oh, no. in Zurich, but he was eating there and he said, I see the potential in that dish, but keep on developing. <laughs> <I was> like, <laughs> okay. Oh, well, if he sees the potential, maybe I can really try out. Right. Yeah. Of course. Cool. Um, about the kitchen, how many people are in the kitchen? And and it's an open kitchen as well, right? I remember I could see straight into it from the uh, from the dining room. Yeah. Well, it's um, we are normally well. We started out with like ten people in the kitchen because mm -hmm. we were open for seven days a week: lunch, brunch, dinner, whatever, everything. Mm -hmm. Um. And then we kind of figured out that was too much to start in the beginning with. Uh, we wanted to build it then uh, more uh, organically, let's say. Mm -hmm. And then some people left, but most most people left organically. Like they, they said, oh, I want to go to the ocean. So they left and, and stuff like right. that. And now we are all, we are three people in the kitchen, um, which is not enough, but the summer season is quite low because we are a dark blue restaurant and we don't we have a little terrace but not mm -hmm. like we have like 60 to 8 to 80 uh seats in the restaurant mm -hmm. and outside it's about 20 so yeah. for the summer season it's it's more low and we do more outside events like we start um some forehand dinners on our rooftop and stuff like that but it's more calm than the winter and and in the winter we are about four five people in the kitchen mm -hmm. so okay yeah i mean I, I love the space in there right i i um you've got this like i didn't even know that there was the this huge bar at the back and then a 
big dining room and then yeah. the outside terrace it's kind of it's a, it's a very interesting setup i i really like it um about the so to talk to me a bit about your management style as a chef right um you know the first time you get into a leadership position you know what's that like for you um is it easy to hire uh, good people in zurich for your team or after covid is it uh, more difficult well i was in the beginning i was always very transparent with um what i know and what i don't know mm -hmm. um so in the beginning i was um I think I was more like figuring out the leading part and not the cooking part. Like the cooking part, I had to completely give out of my hands to the sous chef, um, which was uncomfortable, a little uncomfortable for me, but I really trusted him. So it was, it was fine um, because I had to figure out all the background um, and it was such a big team. So in the beginning it was quite uh, shaky as well, but um for us, it's it's uh, both. It's easy and hard to get good people, I think, because I think we attract a certain kind of uh, profile of people because we 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 communicate what we're doing. We're we're working with a cool product, with farmers, direct contact. We we have a very low hierarchy or not at all. Like we are very. Um, we work in a different system. It's more new work. Um, then, like, it's not a, a such a like. I'm not a a head chef like in 1980 or something. Mm -hmm. Um. So the right people come to us. Sometimes it's not the right timing, but then we try to figure it out. Like, I will get a new sous chef, which is a very he's a very cool guy, or it seems like it, and um. He's now doing the scholarship uh, Fundacion Uccellin as well. Uh, so he can only start in, in August, but then we just try to make it work until August without a sous chef. And I think that's, that's the point when mm -hmm. you have to take the right people when they're there or wait for them and don't just don't hire somebody which you already feeling, oh, that's not going to work. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I think that's, I, I think I have a very good gut feeling about that. Yeah. What do you think is the, uh, the most important quality for, um, a chef, a head chef to, to possess? Um, I think empathy is very important, like to, to feel the people, but also I think one of the best qualities I had to learn also about myself is knowing what I want and communicating in a respectful way how I want it. So the people are clear on the directions because in the beginning it was often like, I didn't know how to, because I, I never worked in that kitchen as well. It was newly built. So when people ask me, where do you want this pot? And I'm like, oh, I don't know. Well, let's just put it there. And then the pot is mm -hmm. on it complete random spot and you actually don't need it there um so knowing what you want and being clear about what you want is is best for for one of the best qualities i think because mm -hmm. then people are feeling more secure as well because then i tell them how i want it and then they they just feel like they're doing it right when once they got it or they feel me but everything takes time especially mm -hmm. when it's an opening so also don't be don't rush yourself or or don't get stressed too easily is maybe also important yeah mm -hmm. and what about criticism do you do you handle that well or not so well Critica criticize different people uh, like uh, somebody else or criticize no, no like if if um, criticizing you yeah okay. whether it be a um I don't know, a review or a, a customer? Is it, uh, uh, how, how, how does that go with you? Luckily, we don't get too much criticism. Sometimes I get like, um, well, 
I think we handle it quite good because we, if if the if if the criticism is like reasonable, I'm I'm like the last person to say uh, shut up and fuck off, mm-hmm. because then you can learn from that. Um, I think it depends on the criticism, but I'm mm-hmm. I'm mostly um, I'm mostly uh, good with criticism, but it depends on how stressed I am and how right. I'm taking it and how people are telling me i guess yeah mm-hmm. <laughs> okay okay um okay let's uh let's move on to a bit about um uh switzerland and, and the, the swiss food industry in in general um do you think it's in good health at the moment um post pandemic um do you think anything's missing right now um I, i've personally seen a lot of um vegan restaurants mm-hmm. blow up i think after after the pandemic um what's your take on that well for me personally if i see zurich i feel like uh, we're very in a how do you say that rising we're we're, we're in a like mm-hmm. rising moment where a lot of new things are opening up um more like slow food style or like everybody is more conscious in what they put into their bodies i think mm-hmm. yeah i think they're willing to pay more for for the food now more and more because that that was also i think I think in Zurich we we're developing into the right direction. Um, I don't really know about the rest of Switzerland. I think there it's um, w- when you go to central Switzerland, it's maybe a little slower. Um, mm-hmm. Like there is still on every lunch meal there will there you will find the meat and it's under twenty francs and I don't even know how they how they do right. that. But um, I think in Zurich uh, people get more conscious about what they eat and they or willing to pay more, but of course not everybody's like that. But at least in in the scene where I am, I feel like people value value good food. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But I think maybe sometimes the um the customers I, I'm not sure how, how we should educate them, but sometimes they I mean, in our restaurant, when we when we say, okay, good, we bought this whole veal, and now we have this piece on the plate, and it's 120 grams for 46 francs, and we have uh, great leeks with it, and uh, very cool sides and stuff, which is not not basic, but the people just see, oh, it's a very small piece of meat, and you just say, well, it was a Demeter cult, it lived. Mm-hmm. this long and we we let it hang for a very long time so it's the best quality and stuff like that then people sometimes don't get it but i think this takes time as well to kind of let the customer like not let the customer know that you pay rent you pay stuff you pay uh, right. the sourcing and you do this and i think in gastronomy often or in in the kitchen or in service people expect you to do it out of passion Mm -hmm. and you give a lot of your time like you work all evenings you work weekends you work um split shifts um and i think this is this is just a lot of people don't see but of of course course i do it out of passion but right. if you ask somebody in the bank, no, nobody will, will ask them, oh, do you do this out of passion? But in, in the kitchen or, or in, in a restaurant, often it's expected to do it out of passion. And that's mm-hmm. why you do it for for this uh, amount of the salary or you do mm-hmm. this. Uh, that's why you work all the weekends because you do it out of passion. But right. like, yeah. What, what, speaking of that, what, what type of shifts are you working at the moment? Are you... Um... Are you on every night or during the day? Or do you have time off? Um, I do have time off right now. We are um, some of uh, like 
one of my two chefs is uh, sick and the other one is at school so I work I'm, I'm this week I was on every night um, with different um, helps like chefs uh, which are my friends uh, they happily often can can help me out uh, which okay. is very nice um, so that's um, you have to be flexible mm -hmm. in that case but most of the times like I try to give every chef at least one night off per week mm -hmm. um, including myself like one mm -hmm. extra night per week so you can do stuff with your friends and family um, mm -hmm. and not always like the finisher shift like we have one long shift which is covering lunch and evening and then to like the evening shift which starts at 1 30 and ends at 10 30 and the morning shifts which start at nine and ends at six in okay. the afternoon so yeah okay and for you personally like what what's next like you know what 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 ambitions do you have do you want to stay in uh, switzerland and uh, develop your career here or do you have plans to move abroad um right now i'm planning to stay in zurich yeah i am really curious how rank will develop mm -hmm. because in an opening you put so much effort in and you don't see the effort right away yeah and i feel like it's starting to show after two years when we will start the next winter concert season i think it will be banging so that's why i want to stay mm -hmm. and see how it develops and don't have the the pains because now it's like now you still are are settling in and trying to figure out stuff and i actually want to see how it works um without always have to source that and see how you mm -hmm. organize stuff and just kind of enjoy my time there right um in general i'm very open onto everything like i i i would be open to move abroad to to cook again maybe mm -hmm. more as a stage for like a month but yeah um i mean in the future it will definitely be a dream of mine to open a restaurant in my hometown um mm -hmm. like or close to my hometown but i mean let's see i take it as it comes actually very cool very cool good i think that's a good place to to stop um cool yeah it was very nice uh talking to you uh Michaela um very insightful um I do however just have three last questions that I ask everybody at the end mm -hmm. um and the first one is to your mind is cooking an art or is it a craft it's luck <laughs> <laughs> okay well it's a, a craft which makes it an art I guess it's like yeah. if you don't have the skills you cannot make art like mm -hmm. yeah but okay. it's yeah and if you were trapped on a desert island what three items would you take with you Ooh. well items like like a, a knife or items like yeah a knife i mean or... everyone says that like a knife um you know any books or i mean you can take whatever you want what three things would you take hmm well i i would i would take a bottle so i can kind of grab water i guess I, okay <laughs> i don't know <laughs> um course a swiss knife like the the, the handy dandy swiss knife so i can build mm -hmm. myself a hat if i have to of course um well i don't know i, I, I oh my god okay it's hard well, to say but maybe sunscreen you, you know <laughs> sunscreen very good so maybe maybe i would rub myself with coconut oil so i could <laughs> take another thing i don't know okay <laughs> All right. Um, and the last one is, do, do you have any social media accounts that uh, our listeners can f follow to see yourself and, and your work or yeah. um, also at the uh, the restaurant? Well, the Instagram of the restaurant is at Kulturlokal Rank and my mm -hmm. personal one is 
Michaela.frank.mstoasty. MS Toasty, okay. MS Toasty, yeah. Was always my Instagram name. <laughs> cool. And, yeah. I, I mean, also, I'll put these links on um, when we cool. in the comments on um, uh, on the social media. So that's it. Thank yeah. you, Michaela. Um, it was great to have you on today. Um, and uh, yeah, I, thank you to the listeners also for, for tuning in. Have a good day. And uh, yeah, goodbye. Hey folks, thanks for listening to this episode of Grab a Drink with a Swiss Chef. Hope you enjoyed it and are much more wiser for it. And as I tell you all the time, if you fancy giving us a rating, it makes a big difference. I know it's a pain, but your support is crucial. So if you do feel motivated, go to wherever you get your pods from and give a review or a rating. Obviously, we depend on listeners and depend on more and more people finding out about this pod. So if you've liked what you've listened to, A good review really does help. Thanks, folks. Really appreciate it.